everyone. Uh, this is the Movement Elevated podcast. I am your host, Dr. Scott Runyon, and we've got a special guest on today. Um, we have uh, Darcy, who is the first woman to kayak the entire Amazon River from where it starts to where it ends to meet the ocean in Brazil. Um, so she's got an incredible story that we'll talk about today, and uh, I'm excited to have her share it with all you guys. So Darcy, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, Scott. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Um, so I guess let's start just to kind of a little bit at the beginning, like what's, uh, first, what got you into kayaking? Kayaking, uh, was sort of a random sport for me. So I, I graduated high school and I was out looking for a job for the summer and I knew I wanted to be outdoors, but, uh, the only thing I could think of was to be a landscaper. So I was out looking for landscaping jobs. And I ran into a middle school track coach and he said, don't be a landscaper, come be a raft guy. That'll be so much more fun. And I thought, yeah, that does sound way better. So I got a job as a raft guide and then all the other rafters went kayaking after work. And I was 18 and they were all like in their mid twenties and I really looked up to them. So I was like, I guess I got to learn how to kayak so I can hang out with them more. And so that's how it started for me. It wasn't like, you know, it was more of a, I got to do it to hang out with these people kind of thing more than I was really intrigued by the sport of kayaking. And I actually really hated it when I started because I was really, really bad at it. And I found that very frustrating, but I think maybe that was part of the allure, the challenge too, because I decided to stick with it and get better at it. And then it sort of consumed my entire life. Yeah. Swimming is definitely a hassle when you're first getting started. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they were all excited to let me go with them, but not super into teaching me stuff like how to roll. So, uh, yeah, I did a lot of swimming in the first year of kayaking. Yeah, I think it's the hardest part when you're first getting started. It's like, okay, I've got to stick with this and actually learn how to do this because it can can be so much like I just want to quit. Exactly. Yeah, well, glad, uh, glad you stuck with it, as I'm sure you are, too. Yeah, me too, for sure. Yeah, Um, you know, because now this is. Uh, your profession, you're, uh, you're in Ecuador right now, correct? I am in Ecuador right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell us a little bit about Small World. So yeah, I run a company called Small World Adventures, and our main thing is leading week-long kayaking trips in Ecuador during the North American winter months. And then we also, back in the U.S., do like Grand Canyon, Middle Fork Salmon, and some other domestic trips at home. Uh, but yeah, we... Nowadays, I kayak for a job. And then when I have days off, I also usually go kayaking. So do it for fun. And it kind of seemed to be doing it all the time. Yeah. You get a little break in uh, spring when you come home and then you get to ski a little bit, right? Yeah, we'll come back in March and ski for about a month and then start kayaking again. Yeah. I think I've seen some pictures of you doing some hiking and mountain biking and things like that, too, during some of those months. Yeah, I've gotten pretty into trail running lately. Um, Yeah, so basically when in the shoulder seasons, like spring and fall, we try to do some things to keep our cardio up because kayaking isn't always the best for cardio fitness, but we try to do some, throw some cross training in there. Yeah, excellent. Excellent. Um, So uh, did you get to do, you you did a Grand Canyon trip this year, I think I saw, right? Yeah, we did, Small World did uh, Middle Fork Salmon, Grand Canyon, and we did some trips on the Illinois River in Southern Oregon and like the Cal Salmon system in Northern California. 
Nice, excellent. Um, so the, obviously the biggest trip, the one we, I mentioned earlier was the Amazon trip that you did, um, which there's a book about called Amazon Woman, which uh, that came out, uh, what, almost two years ago now, didn't it? The book came out in March of 2020. So That's what it I thought. Per perfectly coincided with the pandemic. Yes, because I remember I purchased that during the lockdowns and yeah. kept me entertained for a couple of weeks while, while we were all stuck at home. So. Oh, good. Um, but no, it's an excellent book. I really enjoyed it. Um, why don't we uh, talk a little bit about that story, like how it came up and what the experience was like for you? Yeah, so in 2013, uh, I kayaked the Amazon from source to sea, and I was with uh, Don Beveridge, who's been my boyfriend and business partner for 18 years, and then a British guy named David Midgley. And the trip was uh, Midge, that's his nickname, was Midge's idea. And he was uh, sort of having a midlife crisis. He's a very a brilliant computer programmer, and he decided he wanted one big adventure. He was worried he was going to like spend his whole life sitting behind a computer. So he thought one big adventure would uh, round out his life, I guess. And he uh, came across the statistic that more people had walked on the moon than had descended the Amazon River from source to sea. And then no one had done the whole Amazon in a kayak yet. So everyone else who had done it had either like, hiked around the whitewater sections or rafted through them. So no one had kayaked the whole thing. So Midge decided that is what he would do. But uh, Midge had never kayaked before and he had never gone camping before and he truly had zero skills that would help him accomplish this goal. So that's how Don and I met him because he started coming to Ecuador as a client of Small World Adventures and he showed up and he said, you guys need to turn me into a class five kayaker or you know an expert kayaker so that I can go survive the whitewater in the headwaters of the Amazon. So he trained with us for a decade, uh, coming to Ecuador every year, like sometimes for two weeks, sometimes for two months. And then he, you know, eventually got good enough, which is saying a lot because I think 90% uh, of kayakers will never reach the level of kayaking class five or expedition class five. So it says a lot uh, about Midge that he was willing to work for a decade to do this. But anyway, when he felt ready, he invited us to go with him. And so the three of us went and we, we started in Peru. Um, we started on the Montaro River and had about a month of whitewater. And uh, Midge did very well. He survived the whitewater, which he was very happy about. And then we had four months of flat water after that. And uh, so it was a long journey, 148 days altogether. And uh, plenty of challenges, both physical, uh, mental, emotional. When you spend 148 days with the same three people, it can be uh, challenging in, in ways that we didn't really imagine, I think. Yeah, and I think you did a good job in the book of capturing some of the emotions of going through that, some of the scariness of the whitewater and, uh, you know, some of the, the cultural shocks of uh, going through some of the Amazon cultures in the beginning and then the long slog of being on flat water for several months in a row. Um, it, I, I really kind of felt like I was feeling what you were feeling um, right. throughout awesome. that whole thing. All right. Uh, yeah, I was also I also found it entertaining that you, such a good kayaker, was swam in the flat water at one point. 
Avoid that was due, that. due to a little temper tantrum I was having at not being able to uh, deal with the mental challenges very well of the trip. Yeah, yeah, I found I found that uh, that kind of funny, but um, yeah, again, you could feel like how frustrated you were at that time and how that led how that led to that uh, to that little incident happening. Yes, definitely. Yeah, and it was sort of funny. The three of us spent a lot of time physically preparing for the expedition. You know, we wanted to be in good shape. We wanted to make sure we had good endurance to go kayaking every single day for five months in a row. But I think like we really um, overlooked or underestimated the, the mental challenges. And so we didn't spend very much time, you know, thinking about like, how are we going to prepare to uh, be as a group and deal with our different paces and our different desires and our different plans. And like, we all we all had the same goal, which was to make it to the Atlantic Ocean. But what we realized once we were in the middle of the expedition was that the three of us all had very different ideas about how we were going to accomplish this goal. And, you know, it sounds kind of dumb saying it out loud now, but we didn't talk about that before the expedition. Like, how are we going to succeed in this goal? And it's like I said, it's funny saying that now it seems in hindsight such an obvious thing to discuss with your teammates but we just kind of thought no we all have the same goal we'll just go and make it happen but then yeah there was a lot of uh, a lot of mental and emotional struggles as we as a team tried to figure out how we were going to mesh our different approaches to make it happen and we did finish as a team which is a good thing in a lot of expeditions of this length uh, don't finish as a team, you know, one or more members quit or they break apart. And so it definitely wasn't easy, but we did uh, manage to stick together till the end. Yeah. Yeah. And so now, like, so now that that's, you know, several years ago um, and like, so how, how does it make you feel now to look back and be like, man, like this, do you feel like, oh man, this is great. This I accomplished this, or this was dumb. Why did I do that? Like what, like what, what, uh, what, what do you feel about now when you look back on that expedition? Oh, I'm super happy that we did it. You know, it does feel like a good accomplishment. And I definitely learned a lot. You know, if I ever go do another long expedition, I will uh, come into it with a lot more wisdom, a lot more knowledge and do things differently. But yeah, I feel, you know, pretty happy and proud that we were able to do it as a team, the three of us. And People ask me a lot if I would do it again. And I do want to do another long expedition. I really enjoyed uh, that part of it. But I don't think that I would do the Amazon expedition again because I do feel like luck played a role in the fact that we made it, you know, not necessarily through the white water, but through, you know, people, there's a lot of sadly like robberies and and murders surrounding things like illegal logging and the drug trade in the Amazon basin. And I do feel like we kind of got lucky that we, we didn't get caught up in any of that on our expedition. And I feel like it would be definitely a roll of the dice to go uh, tempt fate again. Yeah. 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 You definitely, like, you know, like I said, you definitely capture that in the book where you <clears throat> could feel like how much tension there was in certain situations throughout that whole expedition not just with the water but with the people around the water as well yeah yeah um so what's uh i was going to ask this later but you kind of brought it up now so i'll ask now what uh what are some other big expeditions that you're thinking about that down the road you might want to attempt yeah well don and i both uh really enjoyed the source to sea 
thing, you know, getting to see a river from when it was four inches wide until, you know, the very end when it dumps out into the ocean. So we really liked that, but we didn't, we're more whitewater kayakers rather than flatwater kayakers. So we were trying to think what could be a good source to see that had a better ratio of whitewater to flatwater. And we've sort of identified three um, in Northern British Columbia, there's three rivers that come off uh, what they call the sacred headwaters plateau. So the Stikin, the Skeena and the Nass all kind of originate from the same point, but flow in slightly different directions, but all to the Pacific ocean. And we want to go do source to sea on those three rivers, which will all be between three and 400 miles uh, per river, but um, a better whitewater to flatwater ratio. And la the last two years, the pandemic, you know, we weren't able to travel to Canada, but hopefully this summer we'll at least be able to go do a couple of those. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Have you done the Grand Canyon of the Stikin before? We have. We did it in 2016. And so... Uh, yeah, we have to start training to get back in shape for it. Were the other two rivers that were part of that? Uh, the Skeena and the Nass. And Skeena. they both have whitewater sections, but not as hard as the Grand Canyon of the Stikine. I was going to say, the, the Grand Canyon of the Stikine is kind of one of those really classic ones. Yeah. That you definitely. hear about all the time. Yes. Yeah. Um, awesome. Awesome. Um, yeah, I know for me personally, I'd love to do the Grand Canyon one day. That's one that I want to knock off my list. That's my big expedition I would love to do. Awesome. Um, one of these days. When are you going to be able to do it? Do you have a, a plan, a timeline? I mean, hopefully in the next couple of years. I know one of my friends is talking about starting to apply for permits here in the next year or two. All right. um, yeah, I just stepped into class four a little bit this summer. So awesome. uh, probably need a little more class four experience, but um, look, I feel like with the, Grand, with the Grand Canyon, if you're really confident in your role and you're bold kayaker, like with class three plus four minus skills, you'll have a really good time. Good. Good. Yeah. Like to hear that. <laughs> like to hear that. You just have to be happy charging into giant breaking waves and stuff <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, I can do that for sure. Nice. A little scary, but I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, awesome. Um, so, you know, when you and I met, this was after, um, you had had a surgery a couple, what was it? I guess probably two, two falls ago now, right? Yeah, it was August, end of August, 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, my focus in this podcast is a lot about health when it comes to this kind of stuff. So I wanted to, um, hear a little bit about your story, about your recovery, um, from surgery and how that's gone for you. And, uh, you know, maybe motivate some uh, boaters out there that maybe going through some of the same things. Um, yeah, for sure. So you had shoulder surgery in August of 19. Um, and what, what, tell me again what, what the injury was. So you can um, correct my pronunciation of these things, but I had torn my supraspinatus. Is that how you say it? Yep. Um, I had torn that almost all the way, like they said, it was hanging on by a thread, that tendon. And then I also tore the subscap tendon. They said it was like a 50% 50, 50 torn. So the doctor repaired both of those things and then also decided to reroute my bicep tendon. So three things in the surgery. And uh, the doctor told me not to kayak for five months 
after surgery and I had to be in the sling with a little pillow underneath my arm for six weeks of, you know, not engaging those muscles at all. And so I did that stuff and, uh, did physical therapy in the US, like uh, in person with the therapist during the six weeks I was in the sling, but it was at that point, you know, I couldn't do any strengthening. I couldn't even, you know, lift my arm on my own. So it was more just him moving my arm around, trying to make sure I didn't lose too much range of motion. Yeah, that's how it usually and starts. Then, yeah, the way that I met Scott is I, I came down to Ecuador for our season and I wasn't able to kayak, but I was still running the business down here. And that was at the point where I was out of the sling and needed to start uh, doing strengthening stuff. So I was doing online sessions with you, with Scott. And um, yeah, I was really diligent about the physical therapy, the whole program that I had between my physical therapist at home and between Scott's program. It took me an hour and a half to do every day, but I just made sure that I made time for it. And so for five months, I did that. And I felt pretty good. Like I was sort of tempted to start paddling earlier, but it was such a long recovery. I thought to myself, like, I don't want to do anything to jeopardize this and to re-injure it and go back to square one. So I truly waited five months. And then when I started paddling again, I felt really good. I started out slow. Like I just went to the pool and did some rolling. And then I did like a pretty easy class three run. But after a couple of days of that, I was like, you know, I feel great. So I was pretty able to pretty quickly go back to doing class four stuff. And then I, I kind of waited in the class four range until I felt like I had gained some strength back before I started going into class five. And now um, it feels great. I don't like while kayaking, I don't think about it or worry about it. I'm not thinking, oh, I shouldn't run this drop because it might hurt my shoulder. It's like not even a, a thought in my mind. And the only sort of lingering thing I notice is I feel like I still get some weird muscle feelings, like the, the tendons, the shoulder joint itself feels great. But every now and then I'm like, oh, this little muscle in the back of my shoulder is super sore. So that's like the only lingering uh, problems or thoughts from the surgery, I guess. Yeah. And that's awesome. Like, you know, your, your patience and your dedication to it, like it definitely showed that you were able to you know, jump back in so quickly, um, and fearlessly too, um, you know, ju jumping right into three, getting back up to four real quick. And then, uh, you know, like you said, taking your time a little bit before you, uh, jump back into five and, uh, spending an hour and a half is like a thing, like a lot of people have to do. And a lot of people don't want to do Yeah, you come back from shoulder surgery. Cause it is one of the most challenging things to come back from. Um, I, I always tell people like, it's, it's one of the, it's one of the roughest rehabs of all the surgeries that I help people with. So. Um, yeah, and I've had ACL surgery in my knee twice before this. And yeah, those were comparatively very easy and quick compared to the shoulder. Yeah. It really required an immense amount of patience, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if you were into, you know, what, what, if you were into kayaking or if that was like skiing injury or what, when you had the ACL, but you got to have those shoulders for, for the kayaking. Yes, definitely. <laughs> a lot of range of motion, a lot of strength, a lot of stability goes yeah. into it. So, um, you know, putting in that work to get that back was, was awesome. It was awesome to be able to kind of from afar, 
um, you know, help and guide you along the way as you were going through those last few stages before you got back out on the water. Yeah, it was awesome to have you there too. I was nervous, you know, being in Ecuador, being away from uh, face-to-face encounters with physical therapists, but you were super helpful with doing the Zoom calls and giving me better strengthening exercises. And yeah, it definitely made me feel a lot better and was great to have a, you know, every time I felt like I needed more, I could call you again and you'd give me a new program and it was awesome. So thank yeah. you for that. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was my pleasure. It was really cool to, to help you out with that. That was one of my, fr- you know, I, I, I told you just at the time, it was one of my first, uh, you know, ventures into doing the online thing. And this was right before the pandemic hit. Yeah. And doing everything on zoom at that point after that became so much more mainstream right at that so point you were ahead of your time scott yes i was ahead of the times i was because there was it was already like becoming a thing and then you know as far as like doing rehab online over video with zoom and then the pandemic just pushed that way to the forefront for a lot of people so um yeah, it was helpful, especially when, you know, th- things started to kick up and then I was like, okay, I'm going to do a few more of these and yeah. kind of help get through some of those, uh, some of those early stages of, of coronavirus. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, for other people listening that it's really hard to be patient when you have an injury. I think, especially when you start feeling good again, you want to get back to your sport, but to me, it seems like really to pay off to to be patient, to listen to the doctors and the physical therapist guidelines for getting back to stuff. And I'm sure anyone who's been through an injury has very high motivation not to go through it again. So jumping back into stuff too early, I think is probably a pretty common way that people get re-injured. And I know that it totally sucks, but just waiting seems like a prudent way to go. Yeah. Yeah. Be doing it at the right time, the smart time when you're ready for it. Um, and being willing to put in the work to get where, to get to that point, it's the most important things. So, yeah. yeah. And you did both of those and now you're back into class five teaching people. Uh, I think you said you got another, you got a trip. You're going to head out on here in just a minute. Yep. And now, yeah, we got to Ecuador October 27th and we've kayaked every single day since being in the country and yeah, still feeling good so far. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. How's the water down there? It's been great. It's actually pouring down rain right now. So we might get some high water later today, but we've had nice, like medium, low levels. Everything's been relatively stable. So it's been great. Sweet. Is this a beginner class you're about to go out on or is it a more experienced one? It's a class three plus four minus group. Okay. So that'll be a fun day for you for sure. Yeah, definitely. And that's kind of Ecuador sort of best in the class four range. So everything from like four minus to four plus Ecuador has a ton of variety and we do most of our trips in that difficulty range. And so, yeah, it's always, always fun for us, fun for the people there. They can do like a different river section every day that they're here, which is fun. Get to see a lot of variety. So. Yeah. Good. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, if somebody, so if, first of all, if somebody wanted to find, um, you know, the book, Amazon woman, uh, I got mine off of Amazon coincidentally enough. I don't know if it's still out on Amazon or how, how do you get it these days? Yeah, it's still on Amazon. Um, I I didn't think it through when I was choosing the title because if you just go put in Amazon woman in an Amazon.com search, you don't necessarily find my book. So put in Amazon woman and 
Darcy, D-A-R-C-Y, and then you can find it on Amazon. Um, I also have a website, which is darcygechter.com, and that's G-A-E-C-H-T-E-R.com. And people can order the book off the website as well. I've also got links to like local bookstores. And I guess I would encourage people, if your bookstore carries the book, support the local bookstores, which is always good. Nice. Um, yeah, it's an awesome book. I, it's, I definitely highly, highly recommend the read for anyone who's into kayaking or outdoor adventures in general. Um, and then if somebody wanted to uh, get in touch with you about Small World, they wanted to book a trip in Ecuador, how would they do that? You can check out the website, which is smallworldadventures.com. And you can email me at info at smallworldadventures.com. Sweet. And people can check out the Instagram page at smallworldadv and see what we've been up to. Yeah, yeah. I see you on Instagram every once in a while and I get excited when I see, you know, you guys running some big drops and stuff. It looks like it's- We're hoping to like have people be sitting at home in the cold and the snow and see people paddling in their short sleeves in Ecuador and be like, oh, I got to go down there and do that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Definitely check out their, check out their social media because they've got some great photos that they take down there. So- All right. Anything else you want to add in, Darcy? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, probably everyone listening to this podcast is into some kind of sport or adventure. And we obviously can, you know, do everything we can to avoid injuries, but it's probably something we'll all face at some point in our lives and our careers. And when you get injured, call Scott. He'll help you out. But also, you know, just remember, you know, all the hard work you put into your sport, you should also put into your recovery and you will be that much better off when you're healed up and ready to go again. All right. Yes. Very good advice. Very good advice. All right. Well, thanks for doing this, Darcy. I know you're busy, so I will uh, hop off and we'll let you get back to your getting ready for your uh, trip you're taking out today. Um, And I, yeah, highly recommend checking out Darcy on social media, you know, seeing if you want to do a lesson with small world, um, or, uh, you know, uh, do you do lessons in, in, uh, Colorado in the States too? We do not No, okay. We just do. Yeah. The trips in Ecuador and then the multi-day trips in the U S as well. Okay. All right. Well, I'll do a multi-day trip with her in the, in the U S you don't want to go to Ecuador. <laughs> Ecuador. <laughs> nice. Well, cool. Thanks for having me on Scott. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Darcy. Thank you.